This is Taylor Rapp, and you are listening to the IDP Expert Fantasy Football Hustler. Defense on me! I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night! If they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm going to take every last one of you out. You make sure they remember forever the night they played the Titans. What up, what up, Fantasy Football Hustler, back at you, and we are bringing you some rookie content right now. I'm hyped up. We're going to be talking about some rookie linebackers coming into the draft this year. Got my man Bob backstage about to bring him on, super hyped. Before we do, I just got to remind you guys, wherever you are, make sure you subscribe, make sure you hit the like button, go follow me on Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitch, Fantasy Football Hustler. Here we go. What up, Antonio? Just in time to welcome Bob into the stage. What up, Bob? What's going down? What's up, man? Uh, I I gotta say it. Every time I come on with you and you get that intro going, I had a long day at work. I was exhausted, ready to come on, hang out, talk some IDP, and I'm just I'm just energized again after that. I just I love it. Every time gets me going. So thanks for having me, man. I always love talking rookies. Uh, this is my wheelhouse, so I'm ready to rock and roll. Um, I know we got some free agents to talk about first. I'm down with that too. That's what's going on. So we gotta gotta touch on those too. Yeah, for sure. And you're someone who I, I I've been excited to talk to about rookies because I know you scout them so much. You watch so much film on it. Um, one question is when it comes film or analytics. What what's your go to um, when it comes to all the scouting? I'm I'm I lean film. I don't really look at analytics too much. I like to use it as a like kind of as a production tool more than anything. Like I think, you know, if any of you guys follow me, I know you follow me and you've seen like these graphics I put out with, you know, these uh, uh, production college production snapshot scores with IDP one, two, three scoring production models. And uh, I like to use those because I've found that, you know, going back and looking at like Bobby Wagner in college and Darius Leonard in college and Luke Keekley in college, that these numbers do carry some weight and uh, guys that have kind of fizzled out in the league, it's the same way. Um, but I do le- like to lean on the film as well. Um, you know, film kind of lends context that analytics don't always provide. Um, so I lean film. Um, I, I like numbers, but I like, you know, I can kind of see if a guy has it or not. You know, and like I said, the the provided context that film provides over analytics, that's where I line. Both are useful. Both can be good tools. Um, I'm not here to crap on one or the other. So don't don't come at me, analytics people, please. <laughs> I'm more of a film guy myself. I mean, I not that I have to see it to believe it, but when you see something happening versus just looking at numbers, it just makes a difference. So NFL IDP free agency. So it seems like there's been a lot more on the defensive side than it has on the offensive side. Maybe not superstar names, but it just seems like definitely definitely a lot of quantity going on there with defense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Matt Milano resigning with the Bills was a surprise to me. Uh, we talked a little pre-show about it. I hated it because I was hoping he'd sign with my Packers. Um, but, hey, man, it was a good move for them. Um, he's an awesome piece of their defense. You know, great coverage linebacker, makes plays. Um, 
you know, I, like I said, good move for them. Uh, they got them on a pretty team-friendly deal, too. Um, I'm a big fan of the move, like I said, but I just would have loved to see him in green and gold, man. That 58 <laughs> green and gold instead of Kirksey. Oh, I would have been a big fan. Yeah, he's a beast, too. Milano someone who I've always liked. Buffalo, they always have a really nice middle linebacker, and Milano just, you know, going back to, like, shades of Paul Puzlesny, you know, just kind of similar to me. So I didn't think that he was going to re-sign with them. I, I like it. I like it. He's always been good there. How about the Patriots making some moves, getting Matt Judon and Kyle Van Noy back? Yeah, Kyle Van Noy back to them was a surprise because um, I'm a big fan of the Pat McAfee show, and they had him on as a guest. And you know, he wouldn't talk. You he, he wouldn't take shots at the at the Pats, but he would say that he was having a lot more fun down in Miami. Yeah, um, and that could be you know the whole nightlife. There's actually stuff to do in Miami versus New England. Uh, no offense, New Englanders. Um, <laughs> But so that was kind of a surprise to me. I believe he's on a pretty team-friendly deal as well. I believe he still had a lot of money coming from the Dolphins. Yep. Um, it was a surprise to see him cut, honestly. Um, that was a surprising – honestly, more surprising to me than him going to the Patriots, in all honesty. But Matt Judon is a really interesting move. Um, it kind of reestablishes that front um, linebacker core, that front seven they got. Um, so he'll be a nice little pass rusher. I'm not, I, I don't love Matt Judon, but – I think it's a good move for them. It's a good move for what they want to do up there. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, as far as Matt Judon goes, they need another pass rusher. It seems like um, Ninkovich. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I wasn't like super hyped on him, but I really thought that he was going to go kind of into the Kyle Van Noy, maybe Kyle Van Noy light, and, you know, it just didn't really happen. As soon as Miami cut Kyle Van Noy, I was like, he's going to go back to the Patriots. Patriots are going to give him – some contract that he's going to be happy with. He's still getting money from Miami. I was super shocked about the Dolphins cutting him. I know it was because of the cap. He was still one of their better defenders last year. So I was just yep. super shocked about that move. Yep, you got that right, man. You hit it on the head. Leonard Floyd back to the Rams. I, I'm i kind of surprised. Um, good for him, I think. Hopefully we'll see. Um I was kind of expecting him to go get paid elsewhere, but he got paid right where he was. So good for his, the, you know, the only concern I'd have is he's going to have a new DC, um, yep. you know, not the one he's been successful with the last two years. Um, he's a cro coaching across the hall um, for the LA chargers now. Um, so I don't know. I don't mind the move. I don't know about how I feel about it for IDP. It's probably good for them in real life, but he was always pretty inconsistent as an IDP player to begin with. Um, yeah. Your thoughts on him? He's always been kind of a blah player for me, you know, someone who I've never really rostered. I mean, it has to be a really deep league for me to be rostering someone like him. I was surprised that they gave him the amount of money that they did. That's what really shocked me about the deal. Yep. So I'm I'm assuming he's going to be playing a bigger role with the Rams moving forward with the amount of money they gave him. You'd hope. <laughs> and you yeah. hope he makes good on it too. For sure. He's always just been a middle-of-the-road guy. I mean, maybe even a little bit below middle-of-the-road. Yeah. Bud Dupree to the Titans. I kind of figured that he was going to be leaving Pittsburgh. How do you think uh, – he's obviously going to stay on the field, you know, but how do you think he fares uh, with the Titans? Honestly, the Titans needed a pass rusher. Um, I don't know if Bud Dupree is it, personally. Um, I thought I figured they would go – the route in the draft. There weren't a lot of great pass rushers available in free agency this year. 
Uh, Bud Dupree was probably the bell of the ball um, in that regard. But um, honestly, they, I like it. They got him paired up with um, Harold Landry now and Jeffrey Simmons. Um, Harold Landry was their sack leader last year with five and a half sacks. That's just not going to get it done in terms of sack production in the NFL. Um, you need at least one, you know, either, you know, close to 10 for everybody on the line or at least somebody with 10 plus sacks. Otherwise, you're just not you're not getting after the quarterback. This was a huge weak spot for them. Um, it affected them on the back end of the defense, too, where their DBs were just getting torched, you know, because they can only cover so long, you know, yeah. and then with nobody's after the quarterback, you know, um, it is going to be concerning to see how he bounces back from a late ACL tear. Um, I don't know what his production year one with the Titans will look like, but uh, going forward, you know, I have concerns, but it's probably one of the more intriguing moves thus far um, and intriguing landing spots, in my opinion. I was shocked by it because I didn't think the Titans were going to go out. I mean, I know that they needed a pass rusher. I just didn't think they were going to get someone like Bud Dupree. I thought they might get, you know, someone like an edge rusher, you know, someone a little bit more traditional there. They don't – it seems like they – Everything that I was hearing preseason 2020 was like Rashawn Evans was supposed to be the guy who was going to be coming into more of like a pass rusher role. And that just never seemed to happen. And so I was shocked that Harold Landry ended up leading the team in sacks and five and a half. Like you said, I mean, that's just not going to cut it unless you got two, three guys, you know, getting numbers like that. So I don't think Bud Dupree is going to be a 10 sack guy, but if he can come in and, you know, get five, six sacks and that's going along with a couple other people, doing that and they're generating some pass rush on a normal basis. Cause yeah, they weren't last year at all. Yeah. Um, should just improve them. I mean, defense and run game. I mean, that's going to be, it's going to be their MO. Yep. You'd hope, you'd hope that helps. Yeah. Hassan Reddick. So someone who, who ball, he balled out last year with the 12 and a half yeah. sacks, only one year of production though. That's the thing that, you know, at that level, and then they bring in J.J. Watt. So I already knew that he was probably out of there. What do you think yeah. about him for the Panthers? I really like the move because he's going back to his college coach. Um, uh, he was his guy at Temple. Um, you know, the fact that the big thing with Hassan Reddick through his whole career is they've just not used him how they should. Yeah. Um, I believe in college he was that outside linebacker, edge rusher, you know, hybrid kind of role. And always in the NFL, they always wanted to play, have him play like a, a third linebacker, you know, like an outside linebacker, outside Will yeah. or Sam. And I'm like, why? Like, you know, and then you wonder why he doesn't produce. Yeah. That's not his game, you know. And then he's a, you know, he was a second stringer for a while and a third stringer for a while. And it's like, it's like, oh, if we play him where we're supposed to, he does well. Weird. And then, and then you, then by the time you do it, you price him out of your, out of your team. You know, he had such a good year, he priced himself out of Arizona. It's like, you know, it's just kind of mind-boggling to me. And then he goes to Carolina on a prove-it deal. I think kind of similar to um, a guy we'll talk to talk about in a minute, that Jayon Brown move going back to Tennessee on a team-friendly deal on a one-year prove-it deal. I think the similar kind of thing could happen here, but he'll be locked up alongside of Brian Burns, uh, probably on the outside of Yuter uh, Gross Matos, I would think. He'll line up. Um, so fully opposite of uh, Brian Burns, if I had to guess. Um, the one concern is they're kind of similar players in a way. You know, they're kind of that speed outside rusher. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Usually you don't go with that speed and speed tandem. But, hey, man, you know, uh, Matt Rule, that – geez, I couldn't think of the coach's name. 
Matt Rule, he likes his physical specimens. That's Hassan Reddick. It's his guy from college. You trust him. That's what these college coaches do, man. They go get their guys that they knew in college. And uh, to see that, he'll probably, if I had a guess, if he produces, they'll get an extension on early, um, and they'll make it work with him. And he'll be a, he'll be a Panther, you know. So it's an exciting move. It is going to be pretty cool seeing him and Brian Burns, you know, lining up opposite each other and just being those super super fast, speedy edge rushers. And yeah, the the Panthers are going to be getting some heat on the quarterbacks now. Hassan Reddick, he was, I mean, he's a one year wonder to me because he never did this before. He never never touched. I mean, he won two sacks. I mean, I think that's all he had in his career. And then you come out with one and a half sacks. Not much. Woo. Yeah. Yeah, caught everybody by storm and. Yeah, Arizona should have like re-signed him like early in the season to like a cheaper right. two-year deal or something. And I don't know how it would have worked out with him and JJ Watt, but I, I just feel like you can never have enough uh, QB exactly. pressure. Exactly. Yep. And so um, let's talk about Jayon Brown. I didn't create a little banner for him, but like you said, one-year prove-it deal. He he got hurt kind of midway through the season and didn't really look too good when he was actually playing. Yeah, I think I think this is kind of a way to you know reset his market for next year when the salary cap goes back up. Um, you know, I think he's a good player. He he was kind of having a meh season um, when he did get hurt, um, and I think Evans was kind of cutting into the production he had a little bit. You know, his tackle production was down. He wasn't getting as much of the, you know, the big plays stuff like that, which kind of boosted him up the year previously. He had a lot of big plays. He didn't have that as much this year, and I think that kind of hurt him in the long run. Um, and then that injury to go down like that, that's always tough going into a contract year. You know, so have to be able to go back to a system he knows um, and has done well in, you know, gives him a pretty good shot to, like I said, reset his market and attack next year and hopefully get hopefully get paid. That's what you got to do, get that money. Got to stay healthy. Got to get the full 16 yep. in. That makes a difference. Yep. Amen to that. So we're mostly going to be talking linebackers, but I got a couple DBs here that I want to bring up. So Shaq Griffin going to the Jaguars. I feel like that was a great move for them. I know that Seattle was really trying to keep them, uh, keep him. But Jaguars, they, they've been making a bunch of moves. Um, this is probably, I think, the biggest name that they've gotten so far. Yeah, I tend to agree. They got themselves more than likely their cornerback one going forward. Um, it's going to be up between him and Henderson. I think they're, you know, Henderson's still a little raw. Um, he struggled a lot last year. I remember watching my Packers play him, and, you know, it was just, you know, he was up against Devontae Adams, for Christ's sake. Like, what is yeah. he going to do? You know, but you'd, you'd see him, you know, Adams goes and runs his route, and then you see Henderson, you know, 10 yards away from the play, turned around, and it's just like, oh. You know, there was a point where I'm just like, I feel for the guy, you know, because <laughs> it's like, yeah man, you're putting him up against this guy? Like, come on. Like, So I think, you know, Griffin, a guy with a little more experience, you know, he has shown well in that cornerback uh, one role. Um, so I think he'll do well. Um, I think he'll be a nice fit to that team. That team, they're going to try to build from the trenches on the defensive side. Um, they did a lot. They added a D-tackle as well, um, who's pretty high. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, I think is his name. Yep. Um, and then I want to say they added one more too, but I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but then they got Josh Allen. They got Caleb on chase on a second year player coming off the edge too. You know, they got, they got some work going on there in, uh, in uh, Jacksonville and I, and you know, more than likely Trevor Lawrence coming in unless they do the craziest thing ever and go somebody else at number one. 
Um, but no, I like I like what they got cooking on that defense. They brought in a, a former D line coach who's had a lot of Pro Bowlers um, come up from his tutelage. Um, so I think they're going to build out from that D line and you know help it, building on the back end really helps the D line because it gives them a little more time to get to the quarterback. And they both kind of feed off each other. So I like the move a lot. It's a it's a very pro move for them. And uh yeah, they had a lot of money coming into free agency, so it makes sense that they're they're one of the teams spending, spending the most right now. So make those moves, make those moves. And then they got Joe Schobert and Miles Jack. Like their defense is legit. Um they, yeah. I think that the biggest weakness that they had was a number one cornerback, and now you got that solved with Yep. I mean, I think he's top 12 talent, you know, out of everybody. I mean, I don't know if he's top 12 oh, yeah. fantasy, but he's going to get the yeah. ball thrown at him a lot. So we'll see what he could do. And you said one of your favorite signings, John Johnson, to the Browns. This one was uh, this was a shock to me because the Browns, they already got they already got a couple um, a couple safeties over there. Yeah, they, they were able to trade for Ronnie Harrison, former Jacksonville Jaguar. They were able to trade for him in the preseason last year, I believe, or real early in the year, like week one or two. Yeah. Um, so they picked him up. He had an injury-riddled season, which was kind of unfortunate, but he was a good player when he was healthy. Um, and then they had Grant Delpit, who was their rookie they drafted last year, tore his ACL in the preseason, uh, or I'm sorry, his Achilles, excuse me. Um, and that was a heartbreaker. He was one of my favorite safeties coming out last year. Um, to see him go down, he was, I think he was my DB2 behind Jeremy Chin. So it was sad to see him go down early without even having a chance to crack the field. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he recovers and he gets into it. I would think that it, it's going to look like John Johnson and probably Harrison until um, Delpit's fully healthy. But it sounds like they might run in like a kind of a three-safety hybrid scheme um, where John Johnson is playing the free and then Harrison and – um, Delpit are playing more strong slash kind of that slot corner, you know, hybrid role, like I mentioned. But who knows, you know, if John Johnson is there, you know, there's not a lot for their linebacker core that's going to, you know, eat up tackles, eat up production. They still allowed a lot of stuff down the field. Um, so, I mean, they're, you know, they don't have much of a pass rush either. So it's like, you know, they're going to get eaten up down the field. Their corners are okay, not great. But, you know, it's a good move. I, it was one of my favorites because I'm a big John Johnson fan to begin with. And then going to a place where I think he'll have plenty of opportunity. He's going to be expected to be the guy. You know, yep. they paid him the guy money. Yep. So, you know, whenever you get that, you're usually expecting at worst, you know, solid production um, and hopefully creeping towards elite if you can. Yeah, Browns, uh, they're making some moves. I like it. I, I like it. They're on the come up. I can't wait to see what happens with OBJ if he ends up getting out of there. But, yeah, John Johnson going over there. It just proves that this three safety, like defensive look, is just starting to become more the norm. And it was like the Cardinals. I, th- I don't know if they started it, but they're one of the first teams that I can remember that went like three safety, like heavy, and all three safeties were bosses in IDP um, back when they had Buda Baker and uh, Honey Badger and Trey Boston. Um, yep. I believe were the were the three were the trio there. Yep. It's just ridiculous, and it's kind of cool how more defenses are kind of going towards that because some of these safeties are like hybrid linebackers. They're just, you know, they're just a little undersized yeah. compared to the other linebackers. Yep, amen to that. They're strong tacklers, though, and that's what you need. You know, if you're going to be a box safety, if you can make plays on the ball and be a strong tackler, that's all you need at the end of the day. Yep. All right. 
Well, here we go. Here's what I've been waiting for. All right, everybody. You guys ready? I said, are you ready? Here we go. We're getting into that rookie talk. I'm ready for it. Rookie linebackers. Linebacker is my favorite position. In an IDP 1-2-3, it's usually the most valuable position. So this is going to be the first of three episodes where Bob's going to be coming on and breaking down the top 10 rookies at each position. And I'll just let you take it away. Well, um, we don't have to rank these. We're just going to talk about these guys. So I don't know if you have them in your order from 1 to 10 or you're, we're just going to throw them out there. I think what we'll do is we'll start out with the less exciting ones, if that sounds okay to you. Yeah. Um, and the reason why, you know, is that they're, they're not not exciting. It's just that, you know, looking at their production and what I see on film, they don't really – they look like, you know, kind of long shot guys need to develop. Where in an IDP, you know, you're looking to get guys at a value that can start this year, ideally. Yep. Um, so first ones first, we'll go with Dylan Moses out of Alabama. Um, man, I just had a tough time getting excited looking at his film. Um, he did suffer an ACL injury um, or an ACL tear in 2019, so just a year, just over a year ago, uh, leading into uh, what would have been his junior season. And coming back from that, he looked real kind of uh, kind of tentative um, coming into his senior season and during his senior season, I should say. And then uh, the one thing I noted too is that he just he looks. He's listed at like 240, and I'm like, there ain't no way this dude's 240. <laughs> like he's listed at 6'3", 240, and I'm like, this dude's maybe 220. You know, and that he looks like he should be a safety, honestly. Like he looks that size. Um, so to me, I'm not a huge fan. You know, he just kind of he has decent production. You know, like I said, I broke down all these guys. You know, production by whatever. Um, he was sitting at 11.7 points per game. Um, as we get into more of these guys, you'll realize that's a pretty lame number. Yeah. But, um, you know, so there is production there, and that is with, you know, coming back last year. And last year was actually still one of his more productive seasons. Um, and then his first season, I believe, was actually kind of down. He was in his, uh, was only playing a partial role, wasn't playing full-time like he was his sophomore and senior season. But, you know, just like I said, there the rest of these guys' film, I was at least intrigued watching. Um, but man, I was just not thrilled with his film at all. You know, just kind of boring, never he's around the ball, but he's not like, you know, he's there, but he's meh, you know, to me, he looks like a second string linebacker at best. Um, a kind of guy that, you know, oh, the starter's out this week and Dylan Moses is going to start in his place. Go pick him up for one week. That's what he looks like to me. I think there's people out there that are a little higher on him than me but I don't think there's an overwhelming consensus on him. I have heard some people like him really high, like still like him in the first round of the NFL draft. And I'm like, okay, man, your prerogative, your process. I'm not going to, I'm not here to split hairs on that. I'm just here to dish what I think. Um, what are your thoughts on Dylan Moses? Do you have a, uh, you have much of a thought? Super similar to you. I, I couldn't get excited watching, watching his film. Like it was just pretty boring. He wasn't really, didn't seem like too much of a playmaker to me. And yeah, my big note is seems very undersized for an NFL linebacker. So it's yeah. you said, cause he looks like really lanky, like really thin, yeah. definitely yeah. more of like a, a safety than a linebacker yeah. for sure. So yeah, yeah, you didn't give me these names in any particular order, but it's funny out of everybody. His film was the one that I liked the least out of everybody. 
Yep, same <laughs> here, man. Um, the next guy we'll go to, and pretty similar um, production-wise and pretty similar film-wise, is going to be Cameron McGrone out of uh, Michigan. And uh, pretty similar, you know, he's a guy, you know, similar production. He averaged 11.8 points per game, IDP 1-3 scoring. Um, you know, just kind of blah the watch. He made he made plays, you know, he had plays where he'd, you know, shoot a gap and make a tackle for loss. He'd have plays where, you know, he'd do great things. But there were so many more plays where he's just kind of, again, just kind of there, you know, just not really doing anything. And that for me is like, I want a linebacker who's, you know, not smashing his head into people's faces, but I want a guy who's in the play. You know, and with him, it just seemed like, you know, this and that. I saw a lot of plays where he'd take bad angles. He'd, you know, shoot, you know, shoot the wrong gap or just shot the gap that didn't end up getting taken. Take your pick. Because um, you never know what these guys' gap assignments are. But then there were plays where it's like, okay, he clearly has this gap to cover. And instead of covering that gap, he gets sucked into a block and then misses the tackle or misses the tackle opportunity even. He doesn't even get there to make the opportunity, make most of the opportunity. Um, so for him, you know, I, I, you know, there was a lot more exciting elements to his film. Like you, there's actually some highlight reel footage for him um, where, you know, he's making sacks, he's making plays, he's doing turnovers. But again, there's so much more to it to me that, you know, it's just kind of that blah film. But again, he has production, some production, you know, and that's, you have to look at that. You can't ignore production and that a lot of these guys have more, but you know, when they have at least some and some of the exciting production too, you know, he was more of a tackle hog and a tackle for loss hog than anything else. But like I said, you know, he was at least a little more exciting. He made more kind of splashy plays. And, you know, if you're going to do that in the NFL, you need to at least do it in college. Like I'm not going to expect somebody who was a tackle machine and that's it in college go do anything different in the NFL, you know? So what were your thoughts on uh, Cameron McGrone? Seemed like a big risk taker. That's for sure. Cause uh, yeah, he does have some nice plays where he's shooting the gap and he's hitting, you know, and he is looking good behind the line of scrimmage, but yeah, then there's some ones where he's shooting the gap where it's like, you know, just completely yep. <laughs> took the, like you said, wrong angle or, you know, wrong lane, whatever. So yeah, big risk taker. He does seem good in with open field tackles though. And, and it seems like, yeah. For linebackers, like that's one thing that seems like there's not a lot of good linebackers in college that are good at open field tackling. Um, so that was one thing that I took away from him. Is uh, sure, yeah, for sure, for sure. If he, the one thing I will note, absolutely, he's good at. If he has you, he's probably going to make the tackle. Like he's not going to miss it. He's good at you. Like you kind of mentioned that open field tackle. You know, he's good at making that happen. If he gets to that situation, what I saw a lot of, and this happens a lot in college, is that you'll get like hung up on blocks and you won't even get to the tackle opportunity. Yeah. Um, so, and that's, to me, that's almost as bad as missing a tackle. Yeah. Cause you didn't even get there to get the chance to make a tackle, you know? So you're like even a step further behind the game, if that makes sense. Um, if you don't have any more thoughts on him, uh, Baron Browning out of, uh, oh, oh go ahead. Well, quick second before we move on. Um, let me know where you think these guys will actually get drafted. Um, just kind of when we finish up with them. Sure. Uh, for, so I'll, I'll dish back to even, uh, Dylan Moses. He's a day two guy for me. Um, probably day two, maybe round four. Um, cause he does have the production Cameron Regrone. He's a day three guy for me. Um, I just think he's going to be that linebacker that I will even say he'll probably go to a great landing spot that like, 
oh yeah, he's gonna get work. Like he'll go to he'll go to the Eagles or, or something like, like that. Where Pittsburgh, right? Like right, that where there's where there's ample opportunity and it just won't happen. And yeah. then everyone will be pounding the table for the guy. And it's <laughs> like, well, you know, at the end of the day, you know, something we have to realize as fantasy analysts is that you know the coaches see these guys every day through a different lens than we do. You know, yep. we see the production, we see the film, but at the end of the day, like they know these guys in the locker rooms, they know these guys in practice, you know, they know a hell of a lot more than what this guy can provide. Um, but like I said, that's, that's definitely the trajectory I see for a guy like him. Yep. Kind of the same deal with Moses for the people that like him. Cause there is a bit of a following for McGrown, not as much for Moses. I think most people are off him right now. Um, but then we go to Baron Browning um, out of OSU. <sighs> he's one of those guys that a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, he should be a first round pick. And I'm like, man, is it um, Ohio State hype? It, it honestly, it probably is. And the thing that people need to realize is that like that I'm realizing is that like, at least on the defensive side, great prospects don't always come out of these big schools. Right. You know, you know, it's just not like if you're, if you're a quarterback sometimes, but I mean, you look at, you know, the history of Ohio State quarterbacks even. Not great. <laughs> you know, but and you look at wide receivers, I would say wide receivers are very much more like if they do well in like the SEC, um, even the Big Ten, they're probably going to be at worst a decent receiver in the NFL. But Baron Browning, man, he has out of, out of the linebackers we're going to talk about today, he has the lowest production statistic out of all of them at okay. 8.5. And to me, like I like I said, I don't like analytics. This is an analytic I like, you know, because I'm looking at their production and seeing like, okay, what did this guy do? Now there's a caveat. It never really seemed like he was playing a full-time role on the defense. You know, he, he's never a, you know, 100% snap guy to me. It looked like, you know, he was subbed in and out a lot for whatever packages they were in, which is a red flag for the NFL too. If you can't plan a lot yeah. of packages, why should you be a first-round linebacker? Yeah, exactly. You know, so for me, that's a bit of a red flag. And then my biggest thing for him, he does have, he's very athletic. He has a lot of great traits. But my biggest thing for him was A, his tackling and some, and missing um, tackle opportunities. Um, there was one funny clip they posted. I believe it was of the senior, senior bowl or it was of uh, a clip that came up before the senior bowl. It's like, oh, watch Baron Browning blow up this fullback who was blocking on the play. And uh, he goes and blows up this fullback. It is hilarious how much he just takes his fullback down. But then he goes he goes to tackle the running back, and it's just kind of like eh, <laughs> nothing. And I'm like, yeah, it would have been even cooler if he actually tackled the running back on the play. And that's just a thing for him. He's not a sure tackler. And I think, you know, I couldn't see that, you know, that was a huge dip in his production, why he didn't produce much. Um, again, you're playing on Ohio State you're playing with a lot of better players. So you're not going to rack up that like bad defense production that a lot of these guys get. Yeah. But you look at his teammate, Pete Werner, he had 10, uh, he averaged 10.5 points per game. Okay. So it's like, okay, if he produced and Baron played more of a, like kind of outside will Sam kind of deal. He played more like not on the line, but you know, whatever um, that like outside off ball linebacker. Yeah. Um. So for me, I didn't mind his film. I think he's athletic, but again, where's the production? You know, at the end of the day, if you don't have production in college, how am I supposed to expect it in the NFL? And that's my biggest knock with him. I think he has a lot of traits, but at the end of the day, it's like, okay, you know, what is this going to amount to? You know? So what are your thoughts on Baron Browning? 
Yeah, I mean, especially being like a defensive guy. I mean, you got to have good stats. Like, I mean, I know that stats aren't everything, but if you're really talented, you know, in college, it just seems like you rack up the stats. So he does look super athletic because he did kind of look good in coverage from what I saw. I mean, you know, it's not like he's, you know, covering burning wide receivers or anything, but I mean, he looked pretty good when he was covering tight ends and it seemed like they kept trying to target him every time he went in coverage and he was pretty good at swatting things down. Saw him come down with an interception. Um, So it looked pretty good athletic, looked good behind the line of scrimmage, but yeah, just, I, I didn't go through and watch every single game or anything like that. So I guess, Compared to a guy like you, I am watching like more highlights, you know, I guess, because I'm only watching a small percentage. But And that's that's fine. I don't honestly I so this is how I watch film. I want to watch, you know, three to four or five basic games. And then I wanna see the highlights. Because I wanna see like how they do in their great plays. Like why are their great plays great? And this this is something I'll bring up with a guy later you'll find that some of their great plays are not because of what they did. Their great plays are, it's a highlight because it's an interception because the ball got batted up in the air by a DB and he happened to be in the area to catch it. Yeah. For me, like that's not cool. (laughs) You know, I just, you know, and that for me is, and that's not all the plays, but it's like when it's 25% of the highlight film, you know, that you have for his entire career, that's concerning to me. So we'll get to that guy later. But, um, yeah, for Barrett Browning, for me, I do think he's probably going to get a bump in the draft. There's a lot of chatter from, you know, that Daniel Jeremiah is the, you know, top scout said he's going to go highly. And I'm like, hey, man, if y'all think that, y'all think that, cool. But, man, I just don't – and like you said, you touched on it right on, is that his coverage is good. He's pretty good in coverage. Um, and that was that could be why – you know, he doesn't have a ton of production is because he helped out more in coverage than he did run support. That's very possible. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, still like, where's the production or is he that freaking great? Like these corners that have no production, like Jalen Ramsey, that he's so good because he's getting, you know, the guy he's covering is never getting the ball. You know, I don't see that, but again, I think he's going to be overdrafted. I think he's, you know, he's going to get that Ohio state bump. Probably, I don't see him first round. I think second or third round is probably for him. Um, and then he's probably going to go way too early in your rookie drafts, if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, it, like I said, there, there's a big part of the community that's really high on him. And whether that's the OSU bump or what, but man, they there is a groundswell for Baron <laughs> Browning out there. And I don't know if it's a cool name or what, but... <laughs> Hey man, y'all do y'all. If if he gets in a good spot, you know, meh, maybe. But I just, yeah, man, I think he's he's a guy. I think is going to be one of those kind of busts for that we talk about in the coming years. But I could be wrong. That's fine. Extra hype makes it easier to be a bust. You know, I mean, the extra hype is gonna, you know, you gotta live up to those expectations. And I know that Ohio State. I mean, no matter what, just seems like their guys are always a little bit extra hyped. For sure, man. All right, now we're going to get into some of the – the rest of these guys are all pretty exciting. All right. Um, I'm going to ease into it a little bit, and we're going to go Jabril Cox out of LSU. Um, he is the lowest-ranked guy I believe I have left out of the guys we're going to talk about. Um, it's pretty close. Um, you look at his college production. He was at North Dakota State, and then he transferred for his final year of eligibility to – or not his final year, the last year he needed – 
of eligibility to LSU. And the really cool thing is he came from a small school, North Dakota State. Not a big school. We all know that. And right away, he was a leader on that defense. And that to me is like, okay, this dude commands respect. That's awesome. Because and then I went and looked at his North Dakota State stats, which is a lot harder to pull than if you're a big school because you have to go to their actual website and go through their actual terrible statistical categorizing you know, stuff and uh, pull these stats very difficultly. And originally, like when I pulled the stats, I, I missed a bunch because uh, they're all like all over the place besides the point. So he ended up coming in at 14.8 um, in terms of points per game. And that was he had a pretty his um, his final season was actually one of his least productive. So his LSU season was pretty much his least productive, least productive. Um, now, that is a big change going from North Dakota State to the freaking SEC. Yeah. Um, but he did play fairly well. He made a fair amount of plays. Um, he's another guy. He just needs development. Um, my fear with that, you know, when you're a guy who needs development, you're not a day one guy, especially in this NFL nowadays. I think the narrative of developing players is kind of dying. I think if you if you don't catch on, you're one, you're two at the latest. I think you're kind of done. Like people are over you. Like we're going to replace you if you're not at least good. Yeah. Um, you know, especially players that get highly drafted, you know, they don't have the time for that anymore. Um, and that's why you're starting to see, you know, more and more wide receivers that break out year one, um, quarterbacks that break out year one. And then these players that just never catch on, you know, and, and it's, it's sad to see, but Hey, if that's going to be how it is and it's just, you break out year one, Hey, I'm cool with that. But, um, he's a guy that I think needs a little, uh, needs a little development. Um, he, he's got all the athletic traits. He's quick. He's fast. Um, you know, he's about the right size. I think he's around 240, 6'3", 6'2"-ish. Um, you know, so he's got the right size. He's a little lanky for me. He's not a really thick linebacker, but he's built. He's not like, you know, a flabby, you know, tall, thin linebacker. He's he's pretty pretty ripped. But, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, his biggest things were, you know, bad tackling angles really killed him. Um, he doesn't get a lot of um, sack or tackle for loss production which is fine. You don't need that. You like to have it. You like to see it. You love to see it actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, we do. But, uh, you know, he was productive in other areas. He was productive as a tackler. Um, he was productive as a pass defense. I think was a really good stat for him. Um, so, I mean, he's good in a lot of areas. Like I said, I think I worry for him because I do believe he needs to develop. And if he doesn't get the coaching and tutelage right away to two to develop, you know, that's where I'm, you know, he'll just get kind of sweeped under the rug. And if he's not drafted somewhere where it's like no competition to start, you know, if he's drafted somewhere to develop and a position doesn't open up easily, I don't see him necessarily taking it by storm. So what are your thoughts on Jabril Cox? So I actually didn't look at any film on him. I don't know what happened. I had him, uh, I don't know what happened. I, I had his name on here, but That's for right. some reason I didn't separate it from like another name. So yeah, I don't even have any opinions on him. So I'll just take your word for it. <laughs> Works for me, man. That's fine. Um, so we'll go to the next guy on the list. And I know you were pretty excited to talk about this guy, Nick Bolton. We'll talk yeah. about out of, out of Mizzou. Um, similar production. There is a caveat for him, but 14.8 points per game. The big caveat for him is he really didn't start until his second season. Um, he was kind of like a, you know, rotational player, didn't really get full snaps. 
So the fact that, but I still pulled those games because I did that for everybody to kind of make it more fair, you know, like, Hey, like you weren't really in this game, but I'm pulling it for everybody. So suck it up. Yeah. Um, so he, I think he probably would have been closer to like 16 points per game um, in that scoring. But um, so he's at 14.8 with this though. It is what it is. Deal with it. Um, but no, I, I was, he's, he's another guy. He's got a lot of the raw talent. Um, you know, he's very athletic, very speedy. Um, I just don't know if he's an athletic linebacker or if he's just an athlete playing linebacker, you know, if that makes sense, you know, he doesn't really have, there's a lot of traits of his that need work. You know, we talked about it, um, earlier with McGrone that he's a guy that he kind of, you know, he lives and dies by his aggressive instincts. Um, and he'll miss, he'll miss a play because he shoots the wrong gap or he shoots his gap and he misses the guy, you know, you never know what the, (laughs) what his role is. But, you know, that's one thing that um, discouraged me a little bit. Um, he's a smaller body, around 230, uh, 6'2", 230, I think, 6'1", 230, somewhere around there. Um, he's a smaller guy, so he he really easily gets caught up in traffic, um, you know, gets blocked away from the play, and then never gets to make his tack get to the tackle opportunity, um, which is something, like I said earlier, I think is that if you're not even getting the tackle opportunity and getting the chance to tackle – you know, that's a, that's as good as a missed tackle for me personally. Um, You know, especially when it's a consistent thing, if it's once or twice, who cares? But if that's, you know, five, six, seven plays out of the 20 I watch, you know, it's starting to become a trend at that point. And, you know, that was one thing that was consistent in his film for me. Um, I think he's, I want to say he's at my LB five right now out of uh, overall, but you know, he's one that I think I think he could use it sometime to develop, you know, kind of get that Willie Gay treatment, you know, where he sits for a year and has to learn a scheme. And that's OK. But again, you know, then we go back to the previous caveat of like, hey, does he miss the chance? Does he miss the boat when it comes? Who knows? Um, what were your thoughts on? Uh, I know you liked him, so I'm sorry if I uh, if I kind of <laughs> crush your spirits a little bit. I do like him overall. Like I said, he's a good athlete. I think he has talent, um, but I do think there are flaws to his game. Well, and I mean, I guess in college, I mean, all these guys are going to have a little bit of flaws. That That's the way that I Absolutely. feel. I, that's why I don't watch too much college. It kind of annoys me, like the amount of flaws that are <laughs> that are out there. I know the NFL is not perfect, but I don't know. Sometimes I just see stuff happen. I'm like, shit, I can't even watch this. Pisses me off to watch it. But the the biggest takeaway that I took from his film is dude lays the wood. Like when yeah. I, 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 when I was, when I, first put his film on and I was like doing something and out of the corner of my eye, I just see him smash a dude like that just to, to stop him from going into the end zone. And I immediately stopped what I was doing to keep watching, um, you know, just really focus. And it just seems like he, he amongst a lot of these guys who seemed very undersized, he didn't, I mean, he looked bigger than these sure. running backs that he was tackling. And so I don't know when I see something like that, even if he is a little bit more raw, I just feel like that just being able to lay the wood like that, just smash someone, you know, I I don't know. I I feel like that just makes so much of a difference when it comes for some of these rookies. I mean, he might only be a scheme guy, you know, he's not going to be a hundred percent guy, but if they get him to where, you know, he's a little bit more of um, not an edge rusher, because I don't feel like he can line up on the line, but if he's someone that they keep wide, and, you know, something – a lot of his role is just to get behind the line of scrimmage, go after um, the quarterback, things like that. I feel like maybe he'll be able to get in a little bit. But 
Yeah, I know it's yes. tough for anybody who's not like within the top couple to actually really crack starting, you know, in year yeah. one. Yeah, first rounders are your best bet. Um, and I think I see him in the second, mm-hmm. personally. Um, I had him in the first originally, and I watched a little more film on him, and I'm like, you know, I took aggressive notes on him because he was one I saw a lot of inconsistent play where it's like, oh, wow, that was a really good play. Like, what was I thinking when I said he was bad? And then I'm like, oh, oh, okay, that's why. So I, I literally, a few games of his, I jotted down, you know, 20-some plays from each game, and I'm like, okay, five of these are really good. Five are pretty mad, doesn't really do anything, didn't really do anything spectacular. And then there's 10 plays where it's like, you know, this could have been a lot better of a game for him. And it's like, he still produced. And, you know, that's where, like, if he can actually work out those kinks in his game, I think he has a really high ceiling. I think he's a guy who could start day one and have a role. And I, I do think he was pretty good in coverage, too. I'll say that. I didn't mention that. I'm bad at mentioning that. I don't usually – that's not one of the things I really look at for linebacker personally. But I did think he was fine in coverage because he's so fast. He's very – he's a very quick player, very fast player. Um, but, yeah, man, I just – like I said, I think, you know, second round for me, I think he's got a role. I think he's got a chance. Um, he's LB5, you know, which ain't bad. You know, ish. I think he's around there. It's, yep. it's a negotiable, uh, negotiable uh, list so far. But, uh, but for me, you, go ahead. Before you go to the next person, do you think that coverage linebackers, like, is coverage more important to NFL teams now than it used to be? Oh yeah, you need. You know, you see these days like that big bulky linebacker getting abused in coverage, and that's the thing teams are kind of done with. I think. Teams want that linebacker that can kind of, you know, uh, see the move and be like, oh, I need to twitch up field. You know, they want that guy, but they also want a guy who can come and make the play on a run, uh, you know, a run support play. You know, Devin White's a prime example. I think he is, you know, probably the best all-around linebacker in the league. You know, Darius Leonard's great, you know, but Devin White, from what he can do, everything, you know, A to B to C to Z, he's great at. Um, and Leonard's great too. I think, you know, he's more of that, you know, game, game owner, you know, he basically, you know, gets everyone in their places and, and he makes plays too. So it's not like to discredit that. Um, but like the, you know, I do think that big bulky linebackers kind of die in, yeah. um, which is sad, you know, that was a cool time when, you know, your big guy would come and just, you know, wreck a running back, you know, yeah. but, but it's so cool. Like you said, Nick Bolton does lay the wood. Um, you know, he's not afraid to hit a guy in the mouth. Um, and I'm a big fan of that, too. Um, that is definitely something. He doesn't look he, – he seems to make tackles when he gets there fine. Um, but, again, like I said, missing the tackle opportunities is rough for me. Um, next guy I think we'll touch on is uh, Patty Fisher. Cool name out of Northwestern. Yeah. Um, he, he surprised me. I was actually – somebody mentioned him because I hadn't talked about him at all yet. And I hadn't seen film on him. You know, he's really low at draft rankings. Um, sophomore, right? Uh, sophomore, junior, I don't know. I I want to say he's got two or three years of playing. I could be wrong. Uh, might be a red shirt or something like that. Um, I don't know that off the top of my head, uh, to be honest. Um, but he came in really high on my, you know, production snapshot. He came in at 15.9, which is the uh, fourth – I'm sorry, the third linebacker on the list. Um, so he came in at 15.9. And the dude, he really reminds me of Blake Martinez 
in a lot of ways. And it could just be because he's a semi-athletic white guy. Um, <laughs> but man, you know, he, he is that kind of guy who I think he's even a little quicker than Martinez. Honestly, I think Martinez is a little more bulky and slow, but I saw a lot of the same stuff that I saw in green Bay with Blake Martinez, where he'll, he'll set up back, he'll drop in his zone, and he'll let a guy catch the ball right in front of him. And then he'll go get the tackle. And I'm like, that is Blake Martinez one one right there. Um, but yeah, no, he's a playmaker, plays all around the ball, sacks, tackles for loss, you know, everything you want to see out of a player. I think he had a ton of pass deflections too for a linebacker. And, uh, you know, that's stuff you want to see. You want to see a guy getting in these auxiliary stack categories and, you know, impacting the game in more ways than just tackling a ball carrier. Um, so for me, I liked him. I liked his footage. Um, and I, again, like I said, some of these, some of the greatest linebackers come out of small schools. Bobby Wagner was out of Utah. <laughs> you know, Darius Leonard out of South Carolina, you know, Devin White out of LSU. Okay, whatever. But, um, you know, there's a long lineage of great linebackers that come out of, you know, lesser known schools. And it's like, you know, I think, you know, the big school narrative kind of needs to be bucked a little to the point of like, you can't, that can't be an analytic for you. They went to a big school. Who, who fucking cares? You know, yeah. if they didn't produce at the end of the day, it's like, okay, cool. But, what are we doing? Yeah. yeah. So what are your what are your thoughts on a good old Patty Fisher? I love his name too. He gets big name points for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He he was looking good out there. I loved his film. And I don't know if it's just because he's white, you know, but I mean I Brian Erlacher is kind of what I saw out there. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to say he's a Hall of Famer or anything, right. but I'm just saying like the way that Brian Erlacher played where he was dropping back into coverage to where he could literally, you know, go back into coverage and then just drop on a dime and like come forward and make the tackle. Like those were some of the things that I was seeing. So I'm not saying he's a hall of famer or anything, but I'm just saying when I saw him playing, I saw like a younger version of Brian Erlacher out there. Sure. No, man. Well, and that's the thing. Like, so I do player comps. Like if you've seen my graphics, you see, I do a player comp on every one. And I hate doing like boring player comps. Like, yeah. If I do a player comp, I'm like, okay, the play style is this. It's similar, um, you know, or the situation, the body build, whatever it is. You know, I don't want it to be like, okay, it's this third stringer from 2010. Who cares? Like, let's yeah. let's have fun with it. It's like most of my guy, my most of my comps are ceiling comps. Um, yeah. You know, but again, it's like, I, why be boring about it? You know, I'm not saying like, hey, draft this guy like he's this. You know, draft this guy like he's Brian Burns. You know, and like I said, Blake Martinez, don't draft him like he's Blake Martinez. Don't draft him in the first round of your rookie draft. You know, wait for that till post NFL draft at least. But, um, you know, I just, you know, his production, you know, very high. Um, and, and that could be the whole bad defense, small school narrative. Good Who knows that that stuff could play, you know, if, if that's why Darius Leonard is so good. Maybe that's why he got so good was because he had to play on a bad defense. Yeah. And that's why his production dipped last year because they were a number one defense. They were top defense. <laughs> you know, you think about it like that. Hell, who knows? Maybe it is, you know, the bad defense plays a narrative. Um, and why some know, of these players are so great. Go ahead. Yeah, you know these guys at the small schools, like they're like the dopest guy on the entire team, like let alone the defense. Yeah. So, like those guys are like literally taking over like entire game. I mean, they're the Bobby Boucher's, you know, of their small like little schools kind of, yeah, you know. So absolutely. It is cool. It's cool when you see uh, the small school guys like really dominating. Yeah, man. All right. So now we are going to get into the top tier, the top five, Ooh. I believe. So we got, yeah, top, hell, top four. 
Um, so we'll go with somebody I am going to be very much lower on than everybody else. And that is Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. Before everybody just rips me and leaves the leaves the thing, please stay around and crucify me later. Okay. <laughs> My biggest issue with him is like, yeah, he looks fast, but he still look he looks like the fastest player on the field, in fact. Yeah. But he still looks slow to me. Like, you know, there seems to be time where he just really shows his, you know, that he's not that athletic to me. And, like, that's fine. You don't have to be athletic to be a good linebacker. Like, that's not a thing that needs to be. It's cool. In today's NFL, that's really great to have. And, you know, the thing is, he sits at 260. Like, he weighed in at 260. You know, and it shows. He's a big dude. He's 6'4", 260. Like, that, yeah. that doesn't – that's not hidden. Like, he, he carries his weight. Can't teach that. Exactly. And that's cool and all. But, like, what – the one caveat I'd have, if he played more of an outside linebacker slash – you know, edge rusher hybrid, I'd be a big fan as event Collins. I'd be a huge fan as event Collins. Cause that seems to be where he's at his best. He can still drop into coverage, do that whole thing. But it seemed to me when he would be back in like that Mike linebacker, that middle linebacker role, that's where he seemed to struggle. You know, he gets kind of that, like, you know, yeah, keep your feet moving, but he kind of looks like he's dancing out there. And like, I don't know, to me, it looks, it looks awkward. You know what? It just looked the one comp I had for him before I came up with my comp for him was that he looks like a shark out there. Or, you know, because he does, when he sees his opening to go after a ball carrier or go after the quarterback, gone. You know, he, he hits it and he hits it quick. So he does have athleticism and he is quick, but I don't know if he really has that, you know, that like Luke Keekley instinct that people are talking about. Yeah. A lot of people put him at number one. And I'm fine with it. You know, like I said, there you can't ignore his production. His production, he averaged 17 points per game in IDP 1-2-3 scoring. That's number two out of the linebackers in this class. Or out of the 60 I've done, I've pulled people on, pulled numbers on. Um, you know, so, I mean, you can't ignore that. But at the end of the day, it's like this is why I look at film. You know, because, yeah. you know, to me, like I said, he looks like the fastest guy in the field. And he could be uber athletic, but he still looks slow to me. And then the last thing I'll add is what's kind of a red flag to me, although it probably shouldn't be. It's because I'm low on him anyway, and it's easy to nitpick. He did skip his pro day, mm. which to me is kind of concerning. You don't get all these looks at measurables and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, I really feel like he would have ran probably around a four seven, four seven five ish range. Cause I don't think he, I don't think he's really that fast um, to me. So I could be wrong. Like I said, I'm going to be lower than probably any, anybody else in the in the industry on Zavan Collins. Um, but again, like I said, you can't ignore production. I'm lower on the guy because of his film. You know, he obviously produced at a high level. You can't knock that. But what do you have to say about Zavan Collins? So he looks really fast. Um, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying now because there was some plays where he just didn't, I, I don't know, just looked extremely slow. So I wonder if it's just like, you know, he's got that NFL speed, but not the good, like, 40-yard dash speed. You know, right. like, some guys that are, like, good, sure. yeah, good running in pads, but bad, you know, just running normally. So, I don't know. Um, He did look strong, like, sideline to sideline. I did see him, you know, running pretty far to make some tackles. But, yeah, he looked a little undersized to me. And I don't know what these college guys, I guess, like, that's the thing that, I'm going to have to wrap my head around with, 
you know, like how much these guys going to bulk up when they start like throwing some real, real weight around, you know, when they get to the NFL and they're really being pushed like every single day by, uh, you know, by real, real grown men, you know, who are a lot bigger than right. that. So, um, but yeah, so you're saying that what, what is he projected, you know, for, for in the draft for the NFL draft, yeah. he's projected probably mid to late first, early second. So, which I think is about right. Cause I think, you know, if if you were to use him as an outside linebacker edge, I'd be fine with middle of the first. I'd have no issue with that. Um, my comp for him was Kyle Vanoy. Okay. So you know, and that, and I think he's a little bigger than Kyle Vanoy, but that role for him, where he's mostly on the edge, drops into coverage, but blitzes after the quarterback. He's very quick when he's like I said, when he makes his move, he's quick. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of times where it's just like he's slow getting the ball carrier. You know, and like when he's going, he's fast. But, like, to get to that speed, I think, is a little bit more of an issue for him. But all in all, like I said, I'm going to be the lowest out of anybody on him, I think. Um, if he if he's a linebacker, like a middle linebacker, if he's a guy that plays an outside linebacker edge role or that hybrid, you know, kind of thing, like a like a Harold Landry, like a Kyle Van Hoy, Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in on that. Like, that's going to be – I think he's a great player because he's got the right size for it that, like you said, you can't teach. Um, and then, you know, then he has a production on top of it where I feel that's where a lot of his production came from and he excelled in. So if he's that I'm going to be in, if he's, if he's actually going to be a middle linebacker in this league, I'm going to have a tough time with that personally. Well, and that's why I, that's why I said he seemed undersized because most of the time I saw him lined up at middle linebacker. So I didn't know if that was his true position. I mean, I, I did see him lined up a lot all over the, you know, all over the place, but I'm at middle linebacker a lot. Yeah, college college does some goofy things with their defensive fronts. Yeah. Um, so next guy we'll get into is probably going to end up being my linebacker one. Um, however, f- there's a lot of people out there that don't even have this guy in their top five. Ooh, it blows, right. blows me away. Uh, Micah Parsons is okay. my number. Is probably going to be my number one. I have two guys in the number one tier. I'll get to him next, and then I'll wrap up with my personal favorite linebacker. Um, so Micah Parsons came in at 15.4 points per game in his college production snapshot. And uh, the big knock on him is his lack of ability and coverage. And to me, I didn't really see that. You know, I saw a few plays. It's like, okay, yeah, cool. He got burned by a shifty slot wide receiver. It's like, okay. But, like, tight ends, he's fine. You know, he's good in zone, good to drop in zone, come up and make a play. But his where his heart lies is in an edge you know, set up on the outside, set up kind of off ball and be that edge kind of rusher that, you know, he's not a Mike. I wouldn't put him at Mike. I wouldn't put him to be the guy calling the plays. I want him, you know, either off ball, you know, blitzer or put him right on the line. He said it himself that he's a pass rusher at heart. He was coming. He signed on to Penn state to be an edge rusher. And then he moved to linebacker because they were like, Hey, look, this is where we need somebody. And he's like, whatever, I'm playing football. So that's where he moved. But he his favorite time is when he's lined up on the edge or blitzing the pass rusher mm-hmm. uh, or the passer. Um, so for me, you know, I didn't really see a whole lot of flaws in his game. His production isn't as high as you'd like to be. Um, 15 seems to be like the really like the cap for where good players are no lower than. Um, like Bobby Wagner was like 15.8 for reference. Yeah. Um, Okay. Then uh, then Darius Leonard was 25. Luke Keekley was 26. 
So that's kind of your reference points there. And I didn't really, and a lot of the rookie uh, linebackers last year were in that 15 range too. Yeah. Um, and we can get into that at the end if we want. Um, yeah, for me, for Parsons, I, you know, I don't get where, I don't know if it's because he opted out of 2020 that people are so low on him or if it's just because they actually think he has all these problems in his game. I don't know. What were your thoughts? I mean, coming out of Penn State, I mean, if you're a linebacker at Penn State, linebacker you, I automatically just think you're going to be a little, you're going to be taught a little bit better right. than the rest. So, but from what I mean, opting out, that definitely hurt him. I just feel like anyone who opts out, like it hurt their stock a little bit, no matter what. Right. You haven't seen him, you know, playing over a year. He definitely looked strong. Like, that's one of the things that I got from him. Looked really strong, yeah. looked really good behind the line of scrimmage. And yeah, I don't know. The college college kind of pisses me off because like a lot of these plays that I'm watching, he's lined up a middle linebacker, he's lined up on the side, he's lined up on the other side, and so I can't gauge like what is his real position, you know, because I didn't yeah. watch any full games. But yeah, to be a middle linebacker, he seemed pretty undersized, and I, I feel like a lot of the plays that I saw was him lined up at middle linebacker. Yeah, I, I think I like him at you know, kind of like the role that like Eric Wilson played or Anthony Barr usually plays Yeah, you know, where he'll line up on, the, you know, kind of that hybrid, you know, role, but more of they play off ball and run support, but they do when they rush, they usually rush very effectively. Um, that's kind of what I'd like to see him in. Like I said, I wouldn't put him at Mike personally. Um, I like him more of that second linebacker, but yeah. I think he'll produce like a, you know, like a linebacker one, like a linebacker one that you'd expect on your team. Um, you know, so like I said, I'm pretty high on him. I don't see a lot of fall on his game. You know, I could be way off base there. Who knows? But um, moving on to the second last guy that we'll talk about today is uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. And he is uh, in tier one with Micah Parsons for me. Um, JOK, Joker, whatever you want to call him. He is something special. And I think he might be the best, like, linebacker, pure linebacker out of this draft. Um, what he does is really special. He's only about 220 pounds, 215 pounds. And what he does at linebacker, you know, and he car he carries his weight well. Like he doesn't look like a, you know, little, he doesn't look like a safety out there. He looks like he should be a linebacker. And uh, what he does in coverage, uh, easily the best coverage linebacker in this class. People have him at number one and I'm fine with it. Like, like I said, these two are tier one for me. And I'm not like if you want to argue JOK over Parsons, hey man, you have you have your day. I'm fine with it. Um, <laughs> solely because of what he what he can do for an NFL offense, for what he was able to do with Notre Dame's defense or defense, excuse me, um, for what he was able to do and with the packages he was able to allow them to run, you know, is really incredible. The fact that you know the packages that they were able to keep him in on where he was playing slot corner, he was playing safety, he was playing linebacker, he was playing edge linebacker, you know, all this stuff. And it's like for this guy to be able to perform in all these freaking roles to such a good level, you know, for me, it's just amazing. And like, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be the first linebacker called on draft day. Um, you know, he just brings such an element that, you know, in all honesty, I don't think any of these guys do for a defense. Um, my dream fit for him is probably – uh, Miami at 18, um, just because I think Flores would actually use him to the, you know, fullest of his versatility. Um, he'd, be know, like so Kyle Van, he'd be like Kyle Van Noy. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Except he could, you know, except he could also play safety well, and play slot corner. But yeah, I mean, you know, kind of similar to that. You know, he'd be a guy who could fill in that role, or he could, you know, you could have him do. You know, Joker is such a good name for him because he's such a yeah. wild card of what he can do. And the best part is, the best part of why I think he'd be so good in Miami, and maybe more real life impact, which would suck for fantasy. But you're never gonna know what he's doing on the play. Yeah, never going to know because he can do everything, you know, outside of like being a corner, like an outside corner, you know, he's got a whole and obviously like DT, but, you know, get off my ass. But, um, you know, (laughs) you know, he can do whatever you want him to do. And I think for him and for me like that, it's hard to, you know, even put Parsons over him. But I like Parsons, I you know, like I said, but I'm not going to argue between the two with you if you want JOK over him. Um, what were your thoughts on uh, Joker? He had some of the best film that I, I was seeing out of everybody, and it's crazy how many different positions he was lined up at. And, yeah, I mean, I guess I brought up Kyle Van Noy because Kyle Van Noy to me is like the ultimate like Swiss Army knife of like right. how they use him. And Joker's got two extra, you know, things that you could pull yeah. out because you could throw him at in the DB spots. And, yeah, that's just really wild that he's someone who could get drafted as a linebacker they could move him to the line or in coverage as a DB somewhere, like all in the same like scheme. So yeah, that's uh it's really wild to me. And yeah, you could tell he's going to be a top. I mean, I'm saying top 20 just cause I don't know how yeah. high people really are going to draft, you know, linebackers, even the best, best ones. Usually it seems like there's one guy who goes in the top 10, then like another guy who goes in like the top 15 or 18 I feel like he's definitely going to be one of those two guys, and I'm really curious to see where he's going to go because he's probably going to be an immediate starter. I don't know the snap count that he'll be playing, but he can do so much that he's going to be a starter somewhere in the NFL week one. Yep, you nailed that. Um, Like I said, I don't see him slipping past, like, you know, the 20, the number 20. You know, granted, that's Chicago. So I don't see him slipping past 19 at Washington. If uh, that would be like an awesome spot for him too, because I think the freedom he'd have on that defense with that defensive line, you know, okay, blitz your pick your gap you want to blitz through, have fun, you know, yeah. like, good luck stopping this guy, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't see him getting past like that mid range. Um, I there's no way he escapes the first round. Um, you know, linebacker is one of those fickle positions though where teams it's kind of viewed as a luxury pick more often than yeah. not. Um, so that is kind of one of those those kind of oddball picks. Um, uh, I definitely don't see him getting past the Jets at 23 now that I think about it, though. Because um, even if you go back the last two years, um, Isaiah Simmons, he was the only linebacker drafted in, like, the top 10, right? Yep. And then the year before that, was Devin, it was Devin White, and he was the only linebacker yep. in the top 10? Yep. Yeah, last year there was um, Isaiah Simmons, um, Kenneth Murray, Jordan Brooks, and Patrick Queen. And then I bet you don't know which one actually had the highest uh, production out of those four in college. In, co- in college? Yeah. Well, Kenneth Murray, right? Um, let me quit. Check, sorry, checking my notes quick. I don't <laughs> remember off the top of my head, and I have a lot of notes. Um, shoot. I know okay, the Chargers yeah. were so hyped up about Kenneth Murray that they jumped up to pick him over Patrick Queen, and that did not. Uh, seem you would be correct. Um, yeah. It would have been Kenneth Murray was sixteen five, Jordan Brooks was fifteen nine, um, Simmons was fourteen one, 
and Patrick Queen was 9.1. Why was why was Simmons drafted so much higher than all of these other guys? It's that versatility, man. I think the same deal with him. You know, he was he was a big coverage guy. You know, yep. he was that, you know, he was, you know, similar to JOK, honestly, you know, and that he could drop into coverage and all that. Um, you know, and that's that's kind of what I think about Parsons this year, except he's more of the the pass rusher too. You know, so he's that do it all, you know, end line to end line linebacker but he's also a pass rusher. So I think he's kind of a different coin, a different side of the coin for Simmons to Simmons in that respect. And he's a little bigger, but who cares? But um, so anything else on him at all? Otherwise I'm ready to move on yep. to and my boy, my boy, Chaz Surratt. Okay. Before, before you start going into it, I love the story from Chaz was a quarterback then switched over to start playing linebacker. Like, do you know anything behind that story or why it happened? It's nothing exciting, really. Um, <laughs> so what happened was I think he got injured in like the first game of his freshman or junior year when he was supposed to be the starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then Sam Howell came in, who's their current quarterback. And now and then he took over. And then Chaz was like, well, I still want to play football. And they're like, <laughs> well, you can play linebacker. And he's like, okay. And he, and he nailed it, dude. Like, why were you playing quarterback forever? Like, he's so good. Um, but, yeah, he is the – out of everybody I've tallied so far, he's the number one rookie IDP prospect in terms of their college production snapshot and IDP 1-2-3 scoring at nice. 20 points. Nice. Um, and, you know, they always talk about that the linebacker is the quarterback of the defense. Yeah, what a cool freaking story that is! That yeah, <laughs> oh, this guy was a this guy was a quarterback two years ago, <laughs> and he's and he has a higher production than any linebacker out there this year, and nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about him, and that's probably why I love him so much and why I'm going to pile on the table for this guy. Um, me personally, there's there's you know kind of a groundswell going for him that people think he can be a tail end of the first round, start of the start of the second. Um, I would, I love if he'd go to my Packers at 30, I love that, man. I'd be so, I'd be so pumped on that. I don't see it happening, but, um, I think he's probably gonna end up a day two pick, um, just because, you know, small school doesn't have a long track record at linebacker, even though I thought he played exceedingly well, you know, he's a good tackler. He, you know, he registered sacks, he registered tackles for loss. He registered pass defense. He registered interceptions, fumbles, force fumbled. All that stuff, you know. He wasn't he wasn't shy to any statistical category. He was great in coverage because, as a as a former quarterback, he knew what these guys were trying to do. People are trying to write him off because as at his pro day, he ran a four six four. What you want to know? What, you want to know what Luke Keekley ran at his pro day? Probably slower than that. <laughs> four five eight. Okay. So we're yeah. gonna we're gonna couple, we're gonna cut a guy. Time. We're gonna cut a cut a guy out of our ranks because of point oh six seconds. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> I'm all in. I'm all in on Chaz Surratt, dude. I love the guy. Um, you know, it's just a cool story to have, too. And then to see that, you know, and I I watched film on him before I pulled his stats. And I was like, man, I'm big on this guy. And then, like, holy, holy crap, this, this is the best one so far. He still has 60 prospects later. He's the best statistical output. Better than Gregory Russo, better than all these other first-round touted names. You know, to me, that speaks, you know, there's got to be something here. You know, I haven't really, you know, gone to look at bus yet to see what their college production was to the NFL. 
and I will someday. But man, I just, you know, you look at the production, you look at his tape. To me, he, I wouldn't say he's flawless, but he's a college player. Like, come on, he's only been playing for two years. Yeah. You know, it, it's tough for me to really rag on the guy. But man, I, like I said, I'm a big fan. He's my linebacker three. Um, yeah, linebacker three. So over, he, it's, so I have him right now, subject to change. Parsons and JOK in their own tier. Um, then I got um, Surratt and Zaven Collins in their own tier. And then I got Nick Bolton, Patty Fisher, and then pretty much the rest from there. But yeah, man, I'm a big fan of Chester. What did you think of his film, his story, all that? I, I was, I'm a huge fan of the story and um, I was trying to look for it right now, but I was actually listening to a podcast and uh, <laughs> Chaz, Michael, Michael. And uh, I was actually listening to a podcast with um, Marvin Lewis I forget the podcast name, but um, last Saturday I asked everybody to tag some smaller podcasts and I started listening sure. to, to a bunch of podcasts and they had Marvin Lewis and they had Jamel Hill come on as a guest. So I just listened to that one and I can't remember his name. I, I'm sorry. I'm doing you an injustice right now. And I don't remember the podcast name either, but um, he asked Marvin Lewis, um, Marvin Lewis and Randy Moss, they have like a, a pro day camp or like something that they're putting on. And he was like, who's uh, one or two players who we can mention who are like a standout. And he mentioned Chaz Surratt first. That was his first standout and just said how the dude is a freak of nature, literally can't do anything wrong. Um, <laughs> fast can jump um, good in coverage, good at rushing the passer. Um, super, super smart because he was a quarterback coming over to the linebacker, you know, position right. just, um, plays it a, a little bit of a different way. And so, yeah, once I heard that he was a quarterback switching over to linebacker, um, I'm glad that he was on your list because uh, other than that, I, I hadn't heard anything about him. And then I watched all the film on him, and he looks freaking amazing. Yeah, man. I'm a big fan. Like I said, if he goes to my Packers, oh, I'd buy a jersey the next day. I would, yeah. too. I love him, dude. He'd start right away our linebacker court's trash, so. People oh, yeah. will tell you that Chris Barnes is good, and he's not. Yeah. So, sorry. Sorry, PFF. <laughs> yeah, he's freaking awesome, though. He is awesome. My son's coming over here to try to distract me now. Cause what's up, bud? <laughs> Say what's up. What's up? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we got to break these guys down because – I mean, I haven't looked at too much. To, I haven't looked at too much statistics. A little bit of film, but yeah, glad to hear it from you. Hey, 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 hey! You relax, you relax. All right. So, um, yeah, thanks for coming on, breaking these guys down with me, and um, super excited to get into the other positions. But linebacker is my favorite, so I'm glad we got Heck to. Do yeah, that man. Time. No, for sure. I'm a big fan of the guys that go out and smack people in the mouth. Um, yeah. So that's always one of my favorite things to watch too. Um, always happy to come on. I'm looking forward to the next two. Um, you know, man, I love talking to rookies. Like I said, this is my wheelhouse. Um, so anytime, um, y'all can find me at the dynasty rewind at fantasy six pack. Um, I write at fantasy six pack. I do a lot of my podcasting stuff at dynasty rewind. Um, we do a lot of mock draft coverage, um, in terms of dynasty, in terms of the NFL mock draft, that's our big focus on our YouTube channel right now is uh, getting through a lot of rookie prospects on the offensive side of the ball. 
Um, we're hitting a lot of the defense stuff on the Patreon for our Patreon members. Um, but yeah, man, find me there. Uh, follow me at Bob Van underscore IDP. If you feel so inclined, my DMs are always open. Um, I post a ton of graphics on who's a good IDP player and who's not. Uh, um, I'll uh, I'll talk shit with you. Like I'm cool. I don't know. Start set advice come season. Whatever. I don't care. My DMs are open, man. Whatever. But thanks again, man, for having me. This was a blast. I love talking rookies. It's easily, you know, my favorite thing to talk about. This is my favorite time of year, you know, coming into a new new league year, free, free agency, the draft. Um, so this is awesome. Um, thanks a lot. And, hey, man, I got to say congrats to you lately. You've been crushing it. You got a ton of big guests coming on. You had Marcus Grant on today. You got Adam Rank next week. And, you know, for me, this just looks like the beginning. You're hustling. And, hell, you'd expect that it's in the name. So kudos to you. Kudos for having me on with these these big names. Um, kind of hilarious, but it is what it is. Um, so thanks again, and kudos to you, man. You've been crushing it. So thanks again. Thanks, bro. And thanks for repping IDP. Like when I, I mean, 2020 is first year I got into all this content creation, and I just felt like there's so many offensive people that I got to make my way into IDP, and that's how I got noticed a little bit uh, faster, I think, than just going the offensive route and, I'm glad I connected up with guys like you and the IDP Army. And, yeah, we're going to take IDP to the next level. Um, we're we're going to make some waves in 2021. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> I'm ready. All righty, guys. Everyone who's listening in, thanks. Appreciate you. Make sure if you don't follow me everywhere on social media, just go do that now. YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere, at FF Hustler. 420. We will see you guys later. Tomorrow, I got my man Hollywood Titan coming on, and we're going to be talking about some IDP sleepers, some non-rookie players to look out for. See you guys tomorrow. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. I just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. Oh, you didn't know? Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Put my shoes on, you wouldn't last a mile. Summertime, when it's time, I'm on the grind. Yeah, I got the ring, I'm the champ, I'm the genie of the lamp. This is the gift I was given, so I just live by my smoke that joint say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill